Amen. Let's look in Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel 38. I want to share a message entitled Iran and Bible Prophecy in light of uh, present day uh, things that are going on, current news. Uh, certainly we need to take time to look at the Word of God and see what Bible prophecy is unfolding in front of us. And uh, it always challenges us and stirs us in our faith uh, to do more to win people to Christ. So Ezekiel chapter 38, we begin reading in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach uh, and Tubal, and uh, prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws. I will bring thee forth in all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, uh, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them hang, handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them uh, with shield and helmet, Gomer and all of his bands, the house of Togarma and the, uh, of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy country, uh, that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years that, uh, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people uh, against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely of them. Uh, thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Uh, thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, it also, I'm sorry, it shall also come to pass uh, that at the same time shall things come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. Let's pray. Father, we're so, so thankful to have the Word of God in front of us. We're thankful, Lord, that uh, we, we live in a world uh, that just seems to be turned upside down uh, without any sense of uh, reasonable thought. But God, we can gain uh, an understanding heart as we study the Word of God and as we make sound application into our lives. I pray that you would help us to uh, be aware of the days and the times in which we live I pray that you'd give us a burden for people who are lost, uh, that we might share the good news that they can be saved. And Lord, what a horrible time it's going to be on this earth during the tribulation period. Uh, what a horrible time it'll be when people are experiencing uh, literally the, the outpouring of the wrath of God on this earth. And I pray, God, that we would be sensitive if we're not saved today. I pray that we would get saved. I pray that if we are saved, I pray that we might live our life to the fullness of the reality of the gospel of Christ. And so, Lord, speak to us in a special way today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 7. It says, Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, 
and be thou a guard unto them. God is really warning Gog of the land of Magog that he needs to prepare because the judgment of God is coming. And uh, he is warning of, uh, of what's going to take place and uh, how God is going to defend his people, Israel. Iran in Bible prophecy. We look at the world in which we live in, and Iran is foremost in all of our news uh, cycles that are going on right now. And uh, I read this quote in reference to uh, uh, current uh, events. It said, this current world uh, events are beginning to increasingly resemble the 2,500-year-old Bible prophecy made by Ezekiel in chapters 38 and 39. Kind of hard to see the news uh, um, reports and um, not have your mind go to Ezekiel chapter 38 and chapter 39. Uh, literally, prophecy, I believe, is being unfolded in front of our eyes. And uh, the, the world stage is being set for the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe that if when we think about Bible prophecy, the next major uh, prophetical event that's going to take place is the rapture of the church. I do not believe God has appointed us uh, to go through the tribulation period because Second Thessalonians tells us that God has not appointed us to wrath. And the tribulation period is a time of Jacob's troubles. It's a time of God bringing his wrath on judgment on this earth. And it is not a time of God judging his church. It's a time of God working in the world through Israel once again, uh, during that seven-year tribulation period. So prophetically, I believe the Christian is going to be removed before that takes place. However, I believe we're going to see an awful lot of things put in place before the rapture happens. And uh, it's just not going to rapture going to take place. And the next day, the world's going to be set up completely for a one-world government and one-world religion. I believe there's many, many things that are going to come to pass in the meantime, to prepare for that time, and we're going to see many of those things. Uh, Ezekiel foresaw the rise of Russia in coalition with Iran and other Middle Eastern countries, such as Sudan, Ethiopia, and Libya. In our passage, where we read in chapter 38, there are several places mentioned. Uh, Gog of Magog is literally Russia. And uh, that Meshach and Tubal is two major cities in uh, Moscow, is Moscow. And uh, I forget the name of the other city, but they're both Russian cities. Uh, also, he mentions in verse 5, several other countries, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. And verse 6, Gomer would be, uh, Gomer and his bands would be uh, Germany and, and uh, Eastern Germany. Uh, so we have Persia. Persia is Iran. And, uh, and when we think of Ezekiel's Bible prophecy concerning the coalition that would be formed between them, on December 27th of 2019, so only a few weeks ago, there was a joint naval maneuver for, that lasted four days. The Iranian, Russian, and Chinese armies launched a joint naval maneuver codenamed Naval Security Belt in the northern part of the Indian Ocean and the Sea of Oman. And so you see that coalition forming between the nations of the East, which is China, Iran, which is Persia, and Meshach, which is Russia. 
And uh, Ezekiel, 2,500 years ago, prophesied that that would take place. And so you and I have the privilege of being able to watch Bible prophecy unfolding in front of our eyes. Uh, Persia in the Bible, and I put a map up for you just to be able to see where Persia in the days when old Persian Empire is all the red area. And of course, it not only encompasses what Iran is nowadays, but also it, it expanded all the way over to the land of Cush, which actually was down into uh, Africa and Ethiopia. Uh, so the uh, Persian Empire was huge, uh, located in southern Asia. It was created by Cyrus the Great in the 6th century B.C., uh, it though, was destroyed, however, by Alexander the Great in the 4th century B.C. Uh, it became a, a theocratic Islamic republic in the Middle East, in, the, in Western Asia. And so the Persian Empire is the name used to refer to in many historical dynasties that have ruled the country of Persia, which is presently known as Iran. When you study the book of Esther, you read about Esther being in Persia, that's in Iran. You read the book of Esther, you get a sense of what Persian or Iranian thought process is and how they conducted business and how they dealt with people. And so Persia is very prominent in the scriptures and certainly a very prominent enemy of Israel. And uh, that carries right into the day with Iran's uh, desire to do away with Israel. So we see Persia in the Bible. We see Iranian violations in the days in which we live. This map in the middle right there, the orange spot, is uh, actually where Iran is. So you see it doesn't cover as much as it did in the you know, Persian Empire. Uh, but the peoples are the same, and uh, they are uh, living their life in complete um, disregard for the uh, other nations of the world because they are trying to be the most powerful nation. Uh, some violations of his, in uh, Iran, they tried to buy nuclear technology from Germany, which they were not allowed to do, but they were trying to do that. Uh, they exceeded restrictions on centrifuge development for their nuclear weapons. And uh, it's just interesting that no matter what regulations he put on them, uh, whether it was under the Clinton era or whether it's under Obama era, uh, they have disregarded any regulations or restrictions and uh, have basically done as they pleased. Uh, Twice, they violated heavy water restrictions for their nuclear uh, uh, plants that they have. They rejected inspections at military sites. Uh, so we're just trying to lay out a concept here for you to understand what is the spirit or what is the character of the Iranian government and uh, nation in regards to the peoples of the world and certainly in regards to the people of Israel and to, in regards to the people of the United States. And so they're, they're a nation that have consistently uh, violated every treaty and every restriction that was placed upon them. Uh, we talk so much in America about human rights and rights of women, 
Uh, yet I don't hear anybody speaking out against Iran when they stone women to death. Uh, if a woman gets caught in adultery, she's stoned to death. If a woman is raped, she's stoned to death. Uh, they are not gracious and kind towards women. But yet I don't hear any of our women rights movements uh, speaking out against that. I uh, hear an awful lot of said, things that are said against us as a nation and as a people, but we're not, there, no one wants to say anything against Iran. Uh, we believe in equal rights and gay movement and all this. I mean, we just, New Jersey just passed a law that LGBTQ community curriculum has to be taught. It's required to be taught in the public schools now, starting in the fall. Uh, there is no option for anyone to be able to opt out of those classes. Uh, and so it's a very aggressive movement in indoctrinating our children at very young ages uh, in reference to about homosexuality and transgenderism and all this, that, and the other. Um, we do that because we supposedly care about gay people, whatever. But what about Iran? Iran hangs gays off from cranes, and uh, they hang them off of buildings. They, they kill those that, who claim that they are gay, but I don't hear anybody speaking out in America and disgust or dismay about what their actions are. And so uh, the, the protesters in Iran were protesting against the government and I didn't see a lot of news clips and a lot of news articles on that, but uh, uh, basically Iranian officials killed 1,500 of the protesters for uh, protesting against the government, put seven, another 7,000 of them in prison. Uh, that's the type of people that we're dealing with when we're dealing with Iran. Ezekiel 38 describes for us that same spirit and that same character in reference to the people of Persia, which is Iranian people. And then we have to come to Soleimani, uh, his terror that he reigned uh, on this earth. Uh, he sanctioned terror attacks and the beheading of innocent people. Uh, you know, it's always interesting to me that these different people like Soleimani and those people who abuse people and have no regard whatsoever to human life, uh, that in order to protect themselves, they'll surround themselves by innocent people, women and children. So if somebody attacks them, uh, the innocent children and the women are getting hurt and not them. Uh, they're cowards is what they are. And, uh, but this Soleimani, uh, he sanctioned those types of attacks. He was responsible for the Benghazi attack on our American embassy in Benghazi during President Obama's administration, of which when, when they tried to go and rescue and protect the embassy, uh, they were told to stand down and they were turned back from going over and defending our people at the embassy. What a, what a debacle. What a, what a sham. What a shame what took place at that uh, embassy. Uh, Solami also was responsible for the recent attack at our American embassy in Iraq. And uh, you say, well, why are you giving me all of this? Because I'm going to show you what the response of the Americans are to Iran's reign of terror and Solami's reign of terror. Uh, he's planning, apparently, according to our intelligence community, that a Solami 
was uh, planning other terror attacks on U.S. interests and people. January 3rd, 2020, he was killed by U.S. drones. I don't mourn his death. I mourn that he's in hell. I mourn that he never got saved. But I don't mourn his death when you think of his reign of terror among people. The problem is, when we talk about Bible prophecy, we have a response to this reign of terror in Iran and Soleimani by our liberal media and politicians in America. The liberal media's response is horrible. I heard several of them uh, talking about being, they were sympathetic to Iran and actually stated that Iran is the only stable government in the region. And why in the world would we take such actions of taking out one of their top generals? Don't we understand how stable their government is? You realize what kind of government they have. They're not only sympathetic to Iran, but they're sympathetic to Soleimani. I heard one, a couple of them state, specifically one stated that he was a great general. Well, he might have been a great general in reference to their specifics of horror and terror and execution of people. But he was not a great general in light of what we consider someone being a great general. I am shocked. I am shocked that the politicians in the United States of America and reporters in the United States of America would take such, make such statements and such positions. I already mentioned it. There was extensive coverage um, of the funeral of Salami, and, uh, but there was no great coverage of the 1,500 protesters who were killed. I just, yesterday, I was finalizing some of the things on points in my message, and I was looking at some news clips, and uh, Chris Matthews was on there, and he was talking about this situation. Chris Matthews compared the death of Soleimani to the death of Princess Diane and Elvis Presley. Are you kidding me? He stated this. He said, there was a great outpouring of emotion over the death of Soleimani in Iran, but there wasn't any outbreak of emotional demonstration in the United States of America. Well, yes, you're right. We don't, we're, not, we're not weeping over someone who kills our people and who plans on to continue kill, killing our people being taken out. One of the presidential candidates, Pete Buttigieg, I guess, I don't know how to say his name, you know who he is, said that the airplane that just crashed in Iran, killing 176 people, stated that their plane crashed because it was our fault. That's somebody running for the presidency of the United States of America. That's right. And it is, it's these are all traitorous statements. And uh, um, they come to find out, though, the plane crashed because it was shot down by a missile in Iran. 
that was the missile was made by Russia. And you say, what does all this have to do with Bible prophecy? These are nations that the word of God outlines and states that are going to be responding to terror and to aggression and specifically against his people Israel. The long-time position of Iran has been that the U.S. is the big, big Satan and Israel is the little Satan. And they have not changed that position. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, Isaiah 5, 20, tells us, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. It is an alarming situation in America where we have come to a point where things that are good now are described as being bad. If you believe in a traditional marriage and have a business, watch out, your business is probably going to be put out of business. Why? Because that's bad for you to think that what God planned for marriage is a good thing. And so they become very aggressive about that. It's amazing how quickly things that were of a gross, unacceptable subculture behaviors years ago now are stated as good behaviors, and those who stand against those behaviors as being bad. Why? They're calling good evil and evil good. And Isaiah said, woe be to you. That's a bad position to be in. And when we have terrorist nations that are uh, thriving in the area of terror and torture and maiming and killing people, for us to turn around and say that they are good uh, is to fall into the warning of Isaiah. You're falling into a position of receiving God's judgment on us. It's a Bible prophecy. Just some introductory thoughts about what's going on. I could talk for the next hour and a half about all this stuff that goes on. But I want to draw some biblical conclusions about the tribulation period, about the judgment of God, about how, how we ought to respond uh, to the Bible prophecy being fulfilled. First of all, I see in verse 1 and 2 of our text that the enemy is opposed. And as he mentions here, the different nations that will come up against the people of God, uh, he states very clearly that they will be opposed. And the word of the Lord came unto me. That's God speaking to Ezekiel. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief pre, uh, prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So the enemy is to be opposed. I believe with all my heart that as a believer in Christ, that we are to stand. That's why I had the choir sing that song this morning, stand. These are days that we have to stand against that which is wicked and that which is evil. Uh, somebody has to be a voice in the wilderness. Somebody has to be a testimony of what God uh, can do in a person's life. And God speaks to Ezekiel and says, I want you to tell him, you tell Gog of the land of Magog that I'm against him. And so when we talk about the enemy being opposed, 
we have to acknowledge that a one-world religion is developing that will blossom and take place in the tribulation period. And a one-world government is forming and it's going to blossom during the tribulation period. The, the, the goal is, is to form everything pointing to one form of regulation and government and oversight of the people. So the enemy needs to be opposed. Well, first of all, we need to realize this. Failed faith. In 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at several different verses. You might want to turn over there. Uh, failed faith. I read statistics about church ministries. I talk to pastors. I go to conferences. And it's just interesting that it seems like the common thread of conversations about church is failed faith. People falling by the wayside or people getting involved in embracing false doctrine. In uh, 1 John chapter uh, 2 and verse 18 says, little children, it is the last time. And I, I think we need to hold to that thought. It is the last time. We're living in the last days. I don't believe there's days that are coming after us. I'm 68 years old, 67 years old. My wife says I always make myself older than I am. But I feel like once you had a birthday, the next one's coming too fast. Amen. But anyway, I'm 67 years old. I feel like the rapture is going to take place in my lifetime. Amen. Why? Because I believe we're in the last days because I see Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. So John says, how do we know it's the last time? How do we know we're in the last days? Because there's many Antichrists. And the amount of Antichrists are growing. And so if someone is against Christ, he is Antichrist. We have been taught, we have been drilled in our mind, in our society, in American society, that everybody's religion has to be tolerated. And everybody's religion has to be embraced because we have to acknowledge that everybody has their own opinion about things. But that is a spirit of Antichrist. There is only one true Christ. There is only one true religion. There is only one God in heaven. And you don't get there through multiple ways. And so uh, uh, the few refused Messiah causes failed faith. Many young people are falling by the wayside because they have refused to acknowledge there's one Messiah. In 1 John chapter 5, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22 says, "Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son." And so Failed faith comes about because of a refused Messiah. You know, Jesus, it says in John chapter 1, in verse 11, He came to His own, but His own received Him not. Then it says, but as many as received Him, to them, them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So the refused the Messiahship the anointing of Christ as the Messiah of Israel 
is to be antichrist. And when you say that, people say, well, that's awful harsh. That's awful. I didn't say it. John said that. And so failed faith, our young people's faith are failing because they don't understand the Messiahship of Christ. But also denied incarnation. In 1 John chapter 4, in verse 3, says, In every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it's in the world. This is John writing in the first century of the church. And he's saying, wait a minute, you need to understand what Antichrist is. It's refused to believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And he said, we say that Antichrist are going to come, but he said, I'm telling you right now, they're already here. And folks, they're already here. Here's a good illustration of why we know they're already here. I just came across this a couple of weeks ago. But it's called Chrislam. Chrislam. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, you can see the picture on the projector. There's three buildings. There are three worship centers. One is Muslim, one is Jewish, and one is Christian. It's Chrislam. Uh, to simplify the doctrine of Chrislam, uh, we can say that the Bible and the Koran are viewed as equal. And in a service reading is done from both of them. And so it's a combined worship of Jew, Christian, and Muslim reading from the Bible, the Christian Bible, and the Koran, and they're on equal terms. People are free to call on Allah or God when they pray. Moses, Mohammed, and Jesus were all prophets of equal status, and they are to be loved. Well, they're not of equal status. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. He is the Lord of Lords, and he is the King of Kings. He has the preeminence in everything, and Mohammed and Moses are not equal to him. A church, a synagogue, and a mosque shall share the same foundation. It will be a landmark. It will be a landmark in the United Arab Emirates. And it's located on some island in Abu Dhabi. And it says this, The announcement of the three houses of worship collectively known as the Abrahamic Family House. Uh, came about as Pope Francis back in February of 2019. Pope Francis signed a declaration with the mayor of Cairo, Egypt, declaring a form of interfaith council called the Higher Committee of Human Fraternity. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to name them by name. I probably will in a later message. God, I want to confirm some things, but I am shocked by well-known preachers that are on the internet and on television that people flock to hear them preach that support this. 
You say we're not in a time of Bible prophecy? Oh, yes, we are. We're in a time of Antichrist. And we must stand on the word of God. So the enemy is opposed because there's failed faith. We don't want the people's faith to fail. But there's also a false faith that is developed. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus warned of what would take place uh, in the last days. In Matthew 24, and we won't read the whole chapter, but though, uh, chapter 24, I forget where I want to start at. I'll start somewhere here. Amen. Uh, we'll start in chapter 24 and verse 21 of Matthew. It says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor shall be. And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. He said, watch out, there's false faith that's based on false Christ. And as a matter of fact, the deception during the tribulation period will be so strong, God in his grace shortens it so it's only seven years long. Because he said if it were possible, the, the deception is so strong that even the elect would be deceived. False faith. And boy, I'll tell you, there you talk about false faith. You better be careful what you read on the internet. You better read, be careful what books you're reading. Uh, because I'll tell you, there's a bunch of garbage out there that completely violates the basic, foundational, biblical truths of the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You, you know, I, I like reading commentaries, and I do read commentaries, and I do read other people's magazines or whatever, but I have learned this. The greatest way to study your Bible is to study the Bible. Let the Bible interpret itself. Learn how to do word searches and phrase searches and cross-referencing, and learn how to study the Bible yourself. I'll guarantee if you read through this Bible and you're diligent in applying sound biblical interpretation principles, you'll come up with the right answer. False faith. People's faith is destroyed because of others. Well, there's a full faith that needs to be experienced in, in Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9 through 17 we read about the multitudes that come out of great tribulation as a result of the 144,000 Jews that are preaching during the tribulation. It says in verse 9, it says, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. I mean, they were excited because of the fact, I mean, multitudes, multitudes of people came to Christ. During the tribulation period, I believe multitudes can come to Christ right now if somebody just go talk to them. Somebody tell them that Jesus is coming. Says and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen. I like that. 
Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. God can bring fullness of faith in a person's life if they turn away from the enemy. I preached a message years ago entitled, Identify the Enemy. So many times we're fighting amongst ourselves, you need to identify the enemy. We're not the enemy. The devil's the enemy. The Antichrist is the enemy. So the enemy needs to be opposed. I see the enemy can be turned because in Ezekiel 38, in uh, verse 3 and 4, he's opposed of God. And say, it says in Ezekiel 38, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O God, the chief of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back. People say, well, I don't understand why you want us to be against Russia and be against uh, Israel. I mean, I'm sorry, be against Iran. Why should we be against them? Because God's against them. That's why. Who God's for, I'm for. Who God's against, I'm against. Revealed through Israel what God was going to do in turning these people, uh, turning Iran and the other nations is revealed through Israel. In verse 15 of Ezekiel 38, tells us, And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, and all them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army, and thou shalt come up against my people Israel as a cloud to cover the land. He said, man, I'll tell you what, all of you, all these nations are going to come down against my people to cover as if a cloud comes in and covers the land. That's how much you're going to swamp them. Then he says, and it shall be in the latter days, and I will bring the, uh, thee against my land, that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee, O God, before thine eyes. He said, you're going to come down against my people, but I'm going to tell you one thing right now. All the world's going to know that I am God because I'll be sanctified and now I deal against you. So the enemy's turned because he's opposed by God. He's revealed through Israel, but is he attacked? he's attacked in wrath. In verse 18 Ezekiel 38, and it shall come to pass the same time when God shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come upon up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the, in the land of Israel. We think there's great shakings when, it go, when earthquakes come. I'm going to tell you, when God starts shaking things, things are going to get shook up. And he's revealing here that he's going to come down in his wrath against them. Revelation chapter 17 in uh, verse 7 says, And a great an angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carrieth her, which hath seven heads and ten horns, the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman setteth. So here it is uh, describing for us the seven mountains around Rome, describing for us the harlot of Revelation as being the Roman Catholic Church, 
the church that was goes down and makes a deal with with uh, 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 the Muslims that have an interfaith type of worship to establish that one world government during the tribulation period. So he'll attack in his wrath because it gets down in verse uh, eight. Uh, where is it? Verse seventeen. For God hath put in their hearts to fill His will, full, uh, fulfill His will, and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the works, words of God shall be refined, uh, fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. What power, what influence, uh, what ability the enemy has. But it is God who turns the enemy. And then in verse 21 through 23, I see that it is God, oh, uh, the enemy is defeated. And uh, I'm thankful that when you deal with Bible prophecy, yes, we can see the Antichrist. We can see the false, uh, the beast. We can see the false religion. We can see the one world government. We can see all those things that can be devastating to us and wondering what is the answer? What is the outcome? Well, the outcome is that we have one who's going to fight the battle for us. And he'll defeat the nations of this world. The enemy is defeated. How? By the response of Christ. Ezekiel 38 and 21 says, And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God, for every man's sword shall be against his brother. The response of Christ is, yes, he's going to call out the, the enemy in battle and fight against them. I'm thankful that we come with the Lord as he does battle, but I'm glad we don't do the battle. He does the battle. The battle is the Lord's, and it's to receive the response of Christ. We see the attack of Christ in verse 22. He says, and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. We have a great example of that in the book of Exodus when God brought the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. He says, I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him, and overflowing rain, and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. I'm going to tell you, when Christ attacks, the nations of this world cannot stand against him. And then we see in verse 23, the magnification of Christ. The magnification of Christ. It says, thus will I magnify myself. God doesn't need man to magnify him. He can magnify himself. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of all of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And so the, the exaltation, the magnification of Jesus Christ. Well, back in the book of, of Revelation in chapter 19, chapter 19 records for us the four, what we call the four hallelujahs. People say, well, I don't understand why you say people all say amen and why do you say hallelujah. Well, they do in the Bible. It's good practice. When you get to heaven, you're going to be saying it. So you might as well practice while you're here. Amen. And so Revelation 19, notice it says in verse 1, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying hallelujah. Amen. Salvation. What were they shouting about? The salvation of God. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. Never forget this. Genesis 18.25 says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? 
And every judgment that God brings on this earth is a right judgment. Because man rejects all that God has extended to man in grace. True and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. I'm thankful for every innocent drop of blood that has been shed, that Christ will avenge it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. We don't need to take vengeance into our own life and our own will and our own way because God will exercise his vengeance in his timing against all nations and all people who reject him. Verse 3 says, and again they said hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. I mean when they saw the judgment of God on the great whore, they were rejoicing and shouted hallelujah. Verse 4 says, and four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down in worship. Now, four and twenty elders and uh, uh, four beasts, we, we, we believe this, the four and twenty elders represents the Israel, the twelve tribes of Israel, and uh, represents the church, represents the twelve apostles. And uh, so the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fall down and worship God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah." And then verse 5 says, The voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as a voice of many waters, and as a voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now I'm going to tell you when Jesus comes and he defeats the enemy. Uh, there's going to be shouting in heaven. Uh, because the king of kings and the Lord of lords has won the battle. And the Christians have something to rejoice about. Now listen. This message what I wanted to do was challenge you with the reality of what's going on in the world in which we live. And listen. It's alright to be against what God's against. It's all right to live a righteous life. It's all right to say amen and hallelujah in church in agreement with the great things that God has revealed to us. And it's all right to be excited about Jesus Christ coming again. Sometimes I wonder if Christians are excited or not about Jesus coming again. You know, John cried out, even so come Lord Jesus. And boy, I'll tell you, that's my cry this morning. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We're ready. I like preaching on prophecy. I like seeing what's going on in the world. I want to do all that I can to win somebody to Christ uh, every moment of every day if I have the opportunity. Uh, but wait a minute. I'm all right if he wants to come. I'm okay with that. Amen. Because I believe that God's timing, God's will is always perfect. And it's always right. In every one of our lives. Bible prophecy in Iran. Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, Moscow, Turkey, all these countries over there. I could name any of those countries and preach the same message. Because of the fact that they're all going to be a part of the coalition that comes together to fight against the people of God. And remember this, God has stated that he would bless those who bless Israel and those, he would curse those who curse Israel. 
And we might not like everything that Israel does. We might not like everything that our president does. We might not like all these different things, but we need to stand on the side with God. And we need to stand in agreement with God. Why? Can two walk together except they be agreed? I want God's blessing on us as a nation, as a people. I want God's blessing on us as a church. I want God's blessing on me as an individual. I want to see people saved. And if there's anything that can motivate us to get people saved is what I preached on today. Bible prophecy coming to pass every day in our lives. It's like when I turn on the news networks, it's like I'm opening my Bible and reading another Bible prophecy. It's exciting days in which we're living in. These are not fearful days. These are victorious days. These are exciting days. So let's live for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be together. I hope I didn't do an information overload. But, Lord, I pray that we might just get a sense of zeal and excitement because Jesus Christ is coming again. I'm glad we have a great God and Savior. I'm glad that we have a God who is gracious. I'm glad that our God is not willing that any should perish. I'm glad that you would save somebody this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that I end. I pray if there's someone here that's never been saved, I pray they would come and receive Christ as their Savior. I would pray for every believer this morning. Give us a fire burning down in our soul. Do all that we can to bring people to faith in Christ. They need to know the true Jesus. They need to know the real way to heaven. And so give us that opportunity, Lord. We'll give you praise and glory for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's